Well, welcome to Gospel Church Online this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a real pleasure to have you tune in with us. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to see this rolling back and physical services beginning to roll forward. We're still waiting on a few council approvals as far as our building goes, but there will be an update about that as soon as we have it. Uh, today, we're stepping into Luke chapter 8 from verse 4. If you have a Bible or a scripture journal with you, please flick over to that now. Uh, this, is a, this is an amazing passage. It's a really significant moment in, the script, in, in, in Luke's gospel. And it's also one that is often misunderstood, often misapproached. So I'm going to pray for us as we come to this, and then we're going to get into it today. Jesus, please be with us. Uh, please be building us up. Lord, please be in my heart, working on me through what you say in your word here. And Lord, let that flow into the hearts of people who listen to this. Help us to grow and grow in your likeness. Lord, help us to be those who hear your word and do it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our passage starts in an interesting way today, really. And this isn't the only time that we've seen this pattern from Jesus that we're going to see here. And it's not going to be the last time either. Jesus is amassing a great following. And I mean seriously great there was a lot of people following him. Luke tells us that great crowds were gathering and people from town after town were coming out to see him. So we've moved from Jesus just seeing people in their towns, going from town to town and having people come in those towns to see him, to him having whole towns emptying out and coming to where he is to see what he is saying and to, to see what he is doing. Uh, he has grown so famous that people are flocking to him. He's, he's gathering a real following. In a lot of people's books, by the way, Jesus has reached success at this point, hasn't he? He's just achieved the definition of the successful life for a lot of people. So many people are not, uh, sorry, are looking to be followed, aren't they? To be respected and honoured. I, I mean, look at the internet, right? Uh, this is the easy way to do it. Not, not that you're immune to this if you're not on social media, but it really does just take something that is often there in people and make it plainly obvious. You know, that how many times have you heard someone say, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Wattpad, TikTok, Tumblr, or any number of other social media platforms? Those are, those are all actual ones, by the way, if you were wondering. Uh, or, or maybe subscribe to me on YouTube because YouTube wanted to be different. Uh, billions of people are following, following and, and looking to find followers in these places. But Jesus does what flies in the face of the approval-seeking mentality of this world. What, what, what we so often get sucked into ourselves, really. And this is, this is the bit we'll see him doing again and again, and we've already seen him do. He turns to the crowds and he confronts them with the reality of who they are. And not just that, but he does it with this confusing parable. It's, it's a bit baffling, really, when you think about it. When you rid yourself of preconceived ideas, or, or try to anyway, and try to read this parable like you're reading it for the first time, like you don't have Jesus interpreting it for you, and Luke offering us the interpretation of it. It's quite baffling. It's quite confusing. And the point of it is to tell us and then, who are the followers that Jesus is looking for? Who are the followers he's after? Just jumping on the bandwagon 
isn't enough. He is looking for genuine followers. We can actually tell that because he's, because he's using a parable. Right? Down in, in verses 9 to 10, Jesus actually says there that he uses parables so that some who hear won't understand. The parables are there to separate the disciples from the crowds. They're there to separate the true hearers from the false listeners. And the point is that genuine followers of Jesus are the ones who genuinely hear his words. I'll say that again. Genuine followers of Jesus are the ones who genuinely hear his words. Hearing really is central in this passage. I'm not going to point it out, but like seven or eight times Jesus talks about hearing in this passage. It comes up again and again. And that's important because we could read this parable and we could think it is about how we preach, how we speak the gospel. We could take it as a how-to for scattering seed. But whilst there are implications for that, and they're valid, what, but what Jesus wants us to take from this is not a lesson about speaking his words well, but about hearing them well. And obviously this is important for us, and in some really specific areas too. For anyone who hasn't received the gospel, there is a warning here about how you hear the gospel and are saved. There is only one way to hear the word that leads to salvation. But there's more than here than just how you hear the gospel for the first time. For Christians, what Jesus says here is instructive. It's important for every time we hear God's word. We're not listening to Jesus teaching the gospel, uh, teaching yeah, the people right here and now uh, like they did then. But we come to the words of Jesus in the Bible. All of the words of the Bible are the words of God, the words of Jesus. And we hear the spirit-empowered preaching of the word on a Sunday. And more than that, we have a community of people around us who are given to us by God to speak gospel truths into the everyday stuff of our lives. And so this is really relevant to everyone listening because we're going to learn how we are to hear, how we go about hearing the Word of God. So let's step into this now. And our first chunk uh, we'll bite off is verses 4 to 15. It's the, it's the king's portion of this passage. And we'll be paralleling the, the parable and Jesus' explanation of the parable, which we are blessed to be let in on by Luke. And broadly, this, this parable shows us that only genuine hearing is saved hearing. So be careful how you hear. Only genuine hearing is saved hearing. And he's going to bring that to us and show us what that means by giving us these four examples of how to hear the word. Three negative ones and one positive. And we are just going to walk through these quite briefly, actually. You could spend a whole sermon on each one of these, right? But, but we're going to get a picture of what genuine hearing looks like. That's where we're going to focus ourselves on this. And I'd encourage you, take a bit of time, if you can, this week. And, and you can. Uh, time is all about what you prioritise. Take a bit of time grappling with this passage yourself. Because there is so much more here that I'm going to bring out of it today. But these four types of people, we're going to call them, we call them the rejecter, the two relenters, 
and the receivers. So the rejecter is our opener. Jesus opens with this. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured. This is the rejecter. This is the person who hears the gospel but doesn't give it a second thought. But rejects it outright. In fact, Jesus says the rejecter of the gospel does so because the devil is at work in the life of that person, snatching it away. It's as we read about the rejecter that we see that salvation is on the line here. This is a serious thing we're talking about hearing. This is the person who never believes the word of God at all, and so they reject it. And Jesus says that the effect of that is that they cannot believe and be saved. And what the rejecter teaches us about genuine hearing is simply that genuine hearing must first accept the word. There can be no genuine hearing of Jesus without accepting the truth of the word of Jesus. And whilst I think the most natural example of that for us, the one that we automatically jump to, is the atheist who instantly rejects God's word as just ridiculous, there's there's a real way that the rejecter can also work out quietly uh, over decades of church attendance. Genuine hearing means that we hear God's word over us and we say, Yes, Lord, lead me to follow. Just listening to it isn't enough. If you have sat in churches your whole life, then hear this for what it is. Hearing the preaching of Jesus wasn't enough to save the people who heard him. You had to accept it. You had to embrace it. You had to respond to it with faith, with your life. The same is true today. A person who just sits in church and listens, but is never changed or challenged, really is to be pitied. In the same way that if you said to me, hey, would would you please help me out with changing this tyre? And and I just kind of stood there and listened. Maybe nodded every now and then. Doted off a little bit. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, I haven't outright rejected you, but in my lack of action, I have rejected your words nevertheless. Listening to the word and not responding in faith and responding to the challenges that the Spirit places on your heart through the preached word with action is rejection. We need to see that, church. Listening and not doing is rejecting. So second, we come up to the first of the relenters. Jesus gives us these two relenters, that is two types of people who hear the word, follow, but then relent, they turn back. And it's important we see that these two are no better off than the rejecter, although they may appear to accept in the first place. Temporary believing is worthless. The first relenter, he equates to rocky soil, shallow soil, where the the seed can grow briefly. You know, we we know all about, if you're a farmer on your peninsula, bedrock. You know, rock that sits this far under the surface and something will grow in it and then it'll die because there's no moisture there. Jesus says that this is the person who hears the word of God and believes it with joy. But then when tests come, when it turns out there is a cost involved in trusting God's word, when it turns out that it's going to cost me something, when it it is work to follow God, 
and you're unliked for following God, when you lose the following of others to follow God, then this person falls away and they're no better off than when they started. And the point here is that a faith that will not suffer loss for Jesus is a worthless faith. In fact, it's no faith at all. It hasn't genuinely trusted him. If your hearing of God's word just amounts to sitting in a chair once a week or reading a book every now and then, but you're not willing to lose what you have for what you find there, then it's worthless. Because someday the gospel will call you to suffer. In fact, in small ways, the gospel calls you to suffer today. It calls you to suffer the loss of things so that you can focus on the word. It calls you to suffer the loss of respect so that you may speak the words of Jesus to others. It calls you to suffer the loss of sinful joys that are no joys at all, really, in order that you might gain the joy of Christ in your life and display it to others. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Someday the word of God will cause you to speak in a way that will gain you disapproval. Or to live in a way that society says is evil, but which God says is good. And on that day, unless you love the word of God, and the, and the God of the word, more than the suffering, you will join the rejecter. So the first relenter teaches us that genuine hearing loves the word more than it hates suffering. The second relenter is the other side of the coin from the first. Uh, the first relenter falls away when things get too hard. The second falls away when other things look too good. The second relenter is compared to seed that falls among thorns. And it starts to grow, but the weeds grow with it, and eventually they choke it out. Jesus tells us that the weeds here are the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And it's really important that we notice that because I think it would be easy for us to read it and just go like, oh, this guy's just like the first relenter, you know. Hard things happened and he got pulled away. But it's not primarily hard things, Jesus says. The cares and the riches and the pleasures, obviously the weight there is on the good things, the easy things, the nice things. This is the person who keeps a foot in both camps, you know. And who wants Jesus and wants to follow him, but has other priorities in life that compete with him. And this one is such a warning for us. It really is. So many people separate themselves from Jesus. In the end, reject Jesus, not because they, they really claim to loathe him, but because other things are just more important to them. There are so many people who have left the church and left Jesus as a result and who, who do that just because, well, I'm just so busy and I've got other things that I need to do, you know. Or I've got other things I would rather be doing on a Sunday. And we might say well, we've got other things that I need to do on a Sunday, but once again, that's a question of priority. That's not just Sunday. <laughs> it's every day. Is Jesus the priority every day or are there other things other weeds that grow up that will choke out faith. This is the person who tries to grow as a Christian, but they also allow other pleasures to come before God. And as life progresses, gradually career or, or football or television or whatever, it grows up and up. 
and the hopeful little plant that was faith in God dwindles and dies. The true God won't suffer competing gods in the hearts of his people and either they will die to him or you will reveal that it will reveal that they truly sorry either the false gods will die be put to death forcibly or you will reveal that they were truly your real god in the first place do these two the relenters remind you of something else jesus has said i wonder he says that the second relenter as his faith is choked out his fruit doesn't mature Back in, back in Luke chapter 6, the Sermon on the Plain, we were there not very long ago, Jesus gave another plant analogy and said that the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good fruit, like a, like a good tree that produces good fruit. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, like a thorn tree produces thorns, like a boxthorn bush. If that one makes sense to you if you don't live in South Australia. This is that same lesson coming on back to us. If we allow idols to live in our hearts that compete with God and we feed those things, then we are treasuring bad treasure. And so we are a bad tree. We may promise fruit, but we won't deliver it. And we will in the end produce no good fruit. We'll produce thorns. And so the second relenter teaches us that genuine hearing of Jesus' words loves the word more than it loves anything. And finally, we come to the receivers. That is, that those who genuinely hear the word of God and are saved. And Jesus compares these to the good soil. And he says that the way the good soil, the genuine hearer, hears is that they hold fast to the word in an honest and good heart. Once again, this throws back to the language of the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. He's saying that the true way to hear the word of God is to treasure it in your heart, to hold it there and not let it go. Hold it fast. No matter what, not let it go. These are the ones who recognise the word of God for what it is. Priceless. Worth suffering to have more of. Worth suffering. It gives you more than it takes. Worth committing yourself to gaining. Worth losing other treasures to gain it and keep it and gain more of it. This is the person who will grapple with the word of God. Will give the time needed to meditate on the word of God. And will be sure to be ready to hear the word of God when it is spoken to them. They take it as a responsibility upon themselves to be ready to hear God's word spoken to them. And we must see this. Jesus is saying that this is the only way to hear the word of God and be saved. Only genuine hearing is saved hearing. So be careful how you hear, Jesus said. And genuine hearing is hearing that treasures the word, that strives to sit under it and to grow under it. As an aside, there's a, there's a funny tension in this passage between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of, of people. On the one hand, the parable certainly implies, intentionally, I'm sure, 
that the way a person will hear the word of God is decided beforehand. A hard path can't make itself into good soil. Neither can rocky soil or weedy soil make themselves into good soil of their own accord. But then the warning of Jesus, which flows on from this, but comes down in verse 18, is take care then how you hear. I think both sides of this tension are true. God is sovereign in salvation, but in complete submission to his sovereignty, we are still responsible, responsible for the way that we receive the word. But the point here, especially given the encouragement of Jesus to be careful how you hear, the, the, the weight here is on the responsibility of the hearer. And now as we move on, we're going to see that the importance of our hearing goes beyond our own personal salvation. Jesus gives a second, much shorter parable. He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. It's important that we notice that this flows on directly from what Jesus has already said. You know, in our Bibles, we have this little gap here. They put a little title in. But really, he's just, it's the next sentence of his words. It's connected. And the way that this parable connects to the last is that the light here is the same as the fruit that the genuine hearers bear in verse 15. And the point is that genuine hearing leads to spreading salvation. Genuine hearing leads to spreading salvation. That's the point here. The fruit of genuinely hearing the word, which means being challenged by the word and being changed by the word, or to make it one step simpler, obeying the word of God. That fruit acts as a light that works for the good of others. In fact, he says that if you are genuinely seeking to live under the word of God, genuinely seeking to hear and to do the word of God, not only will you be a light, you will be an increasing light. He says, to the one who has, more will be given. If you have the word of God and genuinely hear it and you're increasingly changed by it, well, God's gift to you here and now is that your life will more and more reflect who he is. And will more and more be a witness to the Saviour that we follow and to how he has changed us. If you seek to live in obedience to God's word, you'll increasingly live a life that begs the question of why you are so different to the rest of the world. But then Jesus says that the flip side is true as well, right? From, from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. This is quite plainly a warning to the person who thinks that they are saved because they listen to the word but are not changed by it. Jesus says, you think you have something, but it's nothing unless it changes you. I want to finish today with, with a few points of, of specific application for us. Although the ways you could apply this passage are numerous. But I just, I just first, before I do that, I want to chuck in an important note. The parable of the sower, these parables of, of the lamp, uh, they're not, I don't believe, snapshot images of a person's life. This is just important to say. This is more of a how we speak the word application. That is, Jesus isn't saying that a person who rejects the gospel once, well, they're, they're a rejecter, 
right? They're the hard soil, so they're the path, so we, we'll give up on them. Or that the person who departs from the faith shouldn't be pursued with the love of Christ because, well, they're the rocky or weedy soil, so, you know, they reveal what they are. Maybe they are. But that can't, that, that can't be how we approach it. Because the two most prominent apostles, here's my argument, the two most prominent apostles of the New Testament at some point looked like bad soil. Peter, when the going got tough, got going with, with all the other disciples. He ran and, and, and he, he followed along from behind and then he verbally denied Jesus within earshot of Jesus as he was preparing to die. And yet Peter was redeemed. Peter went on to serve Jesus powerfully. Peter, Peter was the lead apostle of the first apostles, of, of the apostles rather. Paul rejected the gospel so violently that he went out to imprison and even kill Christians. If ever a man was the hard soil, the path, it was Paul in the instant. But Jesus then saved him and sent him as perhaps the greatest missionary the church has ever known. It is possible that a person may appear at one time to be uh, one soil, only later to turn out to be genuine hearers of the word in the end. That's why I say this is about hearing this passage, because we don't get that perspective of who is what. The implication for speaking the word is that uh, we should give it to everyone. The word goes to all. The seed is scattered to all because we don't know who will believe and who won't. And God is quite capable of surprising us and does often. But having given that little side note, let me end today by asking you, how do you approach hearing the word of God? How do you approach it? I'll apply this to how you come to hearing the word preached on Sunday, but please just take in mind these questions I'm going to ask, they could apply to how you read the word, how you have it spoken to you by your Christian brothers and sisters, any, any time in which the word of God comes to you. So question number one, do you come looking for treasure? Or do you come quietly treasuring something else? When you hear, there will always be a fight within you. I don't know if you've noticed this. If you haven't noticed this, then it's time to notice this. This is important. There's always a fight within us between treasures when we're hearing the word. The, Satan makes sure of it. It's, it can be as simple as the fight to think about lunch. To think about the game. To think about what I'm doing on Monday or what I did on Saturday. Those aren't incidental temptations. There is a spiritual war with weeds going on there and we must remember the word of God is to be held fast in my heart it is the greatest treasure so I need to put away those thoughts by the power of God's spirit and focus on what God is speaking to me today number two do you come expecting to need to change one of the great mistakes is that we walk into a church and we expect to hear an encouraging message that will make me feel good, but we don't expect to be called to change. The gospel bears fruit in our lives. The gospel brings increasing light in our lives. That means that the gospel needs to change us. 
We should come to hearing the word, expecting that this will challenge me to obey God more closely than I have before. Is that what you come expecting on a Sunday? Number three, finally, do you come knowing that how you hear has eternal implications for you and eternal consequences for others? How you hear, whether you obey the word of God, reveals your own salvation. And whether you, uh, whether you hear and obey the word will define the brightness of the light of the gospel shining from your life. And so will influence who is reached through your life. Do you realize that? We're talking eternal consequences in these, these seemingly insignificant moments. It's a high calling to which we've been called Christians. And we are blessed that we have a Saviour who has gone before us. Jesus, who walked the path, who obeyed his Father, and who went to the cross for us, and who loves us, who gives grace for our failings. We must note that. He gives grace. We don't succeed all the time in obeying the word. We seek to. And we have grace when we fail. And grace to lead us to succeed as well. But I hope that you come out of today with a sense of calling. The calling of Jesus to hear his words and believe. Give me two seconds. The last little bit of our passage is the, about uh, Jesus' mother and brothers. I wasn't even going to comment on this. But, but in one way this just offers us the motivation for powerful motivation to be a hero. Jesus' mother and brothers come to see him and, and they're outside the house and, and he's told that they're waiting and Jesus says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Genuine hearing of the word, genuine hearing of the word is what comes of being a part of the family of God. His motivation for you. You want to reflect the most glorious reality that you could in your life. You want to reflect the fact that you are a son or daughter of the King of Heaven and Earth. Then listen to the words of Jesus and obey them. And pray that he would help you to do that. Why don't we pray for that now? Jesus, please lead us to be not just, not just listeners genuine hearers of your word, genuine doers of your word, people who follow in the path of our Saviour, who went to the cross, who obeyed the Father, who chose to follow, who chose to be uh, living out the life of the good soil. Lord, lead us to be hearers and doers. Lead us to produce the good fruit of the gospel that shows the world what you are like. Lead us to always answer the questions of why we are different with the gospel. But Lord, help us to live a gospel-filled life, a word-filled life, changed by your word. Jesus, we ask that you would powerfully work the Spirit in us. Spirit, we ask that you would do it in us, that we would be more and more obedient to your word. Amen.